Good morning, City Hope. Everybody doing good? Good. You're looking good right in the middle of the summer. And uh, thanks for being with us. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus, Foley Campus, Baymanette Campus, also the guys at Holman Prison. I want to say to you, Happy Father's Day. And uh, just so you make sure you hear that. Thank you so much for being part of uh, our worship experience this weekend. I I know we're ending this series, Sticks and Stones, and some have said, hey, I missed this part, that part. You can go back online. You can pick it all up and listen to it or watch it. Uh, I want to share with you just two things real quickly. Uh, One, uh, we, my my wife and I have, in the last 17 years, I think we've had one or two, maybe even three sabbaticals. And uh, a sabbatical is a time of extension where we're just resting. We're not in the pulpit. So for the month of July, we're going to take a sabbatical. And the elders have encouraged me to do so. They say you're better when you come back. So uh, hopefully I'll be better when I come back. But uh, we're going to take a little time off. We're going to be away a couple weeks, and we'll be around. You'll see us. You just won't see me here. But here's the part that, that I'm excited about for you is uh, we're having, uh, I, I've asked five of our pastors on staff, I've given them an assignment, and five different pastors are going to be teaching you on the series you just saw advertised. And so I'm not going to tell you who they are, and I'm not going to tell you what week they're going to be speaking, but you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a tremendous time. And uh, yeah, you can give them a hand in advance. That's good. <laughs> Second thing I want to mention to you very quickly is Uh, For several years, we did this. We had planned to do this last year, and we had to cancel this. But in November, I'm going to be leading a team of people from City Hope Church to Israel. If you have not been, if you'd like to go, I'd love for you to go online, check this out. This week, we're able to lower that price by $500. We've got some incredible airfare. It's a 9- to 10-day trip. You'll see some things you wouldn't see on a normal trip. Everything's included. So I encourage you to make this a priority. And uh, you can go online or you can contact Pastor Dale and get more information. I, I look forward to leading you there. I've been there many times. It's a wonderful experience. It will change your life. So I hope you can do that. Well, uh, we are ending the series. And, and I've titled this talk, You Choose the Fruit. I, I know that's a little strange. You choose the fruit. But here's where I want to go with this. Did you know that the tongue is unnatural? Even though the tongue is the strongest muscle in the body, it's unnatural. It can do something that nature cannot. For instance, no tree can produce two kinds of fruit, but that's exactly what the tongue can do. Because from our fallen natures, the human tongue can spring forth blessing or cursing, and sometimes even in the same breath, from the same mouth. That's unnatural. And you may be thinking, well, who's that unnatural for? I mean, why? It's unnatural for the children of God. James says in his book, he says, hey, brothers and sisters, you're believers now. You've got to stop that. Don't allow the same mouth that blesses and praises God one minute and use that mouth to curse and belittle or gossip about someone the next. Our words not only impact our own life for good or bad, but our tongue also has the very, it carries the power of life and death itself. That's why it's important for you to learn to control your tongue. That's what we've been talking about this entire series. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at two extremes of the fruit. I want, I want you to see the first extreme of the fruit, I want, I want to look at the bad fruit. I, I want to look at something that we would call curses. And, and I want to look at this, and I want you to see that this extreme fruit has the power to destroy people's trust completely. 
So let me kind of set it up. It goes like this, and I've seen this in, in church forever. You know, there are a lot of people who live in our community that would love to be part of a church and a group of people who worship God and, and, and they can serve together and worship together. But the, at one point in their life, maybe they had a problem in their life and they worked up the courage to reach out or sit down in front of someone who called themselves a Christ follower. They opened up their heart. They became vulnerable. They shared their struggle, their place of pain. And, 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 and they shared it with someone who called themselves a Christ follower. When they really wanted, they wanted someone to listen or maybe someone to pray with them, to encourage them. But what happened was when they became vulnerable to someone who called themselves a Christ follower, that person repeated the information and gossiped. So that person now, that victim, that person's hurt. The, the, the longing, you know, they, they made themselves vulnerable to someone who just told and shared with the community of friends they both lived in their personal information. At that moment, that person says, I can't trust people who call themselves Christ followers. And I want you to know that this is really a big problem among the church as a whole in our country. And, 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 and when people experience this, here's their mindset. I'll never be vulnerable again. That, that was too much pain. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to trust. I'm going to close up my heart. Sometimes for years and years and years, they never become vulnerable again. They live in their own private world, and sometimes in their private world is dominated by darkness. And here's their secret hope. Their hope is, is there anybody trustworthy? Is there anyone that I can sit down and share? They would love me and pray for me and care, and they would keep it in confidence. Would they hold my confidence? Now, how many of you are not breathing? Hold your hand up. All right, good. Everybody's alive. Okay, so this is true for everyone. There's a part of us that we like to know the inside scoop. It, we we kind of want to know the latest stuff, the latest scandal maybe, because it feeds something, this is why it's true for everybody, in the carnal nature of our heart. And if you're honest with yourself, here's, here's how it looks. When you first hear something or receive something, it kind of makes you feel good, but after you hear it and you process it and you get, you get, get past that pleasure moment, you begin to think about it, you, you never feel good in the end. It's, it's kind of like going to, to mama's house or grandma's house and that favorite dish, and you start eating it, and it's like, man, this is great, and you don't stop. And in a little while after you've eaten, it's like, oh, I don't feel good. That, that's what gossip does. It tastes good in the moment, but once it's inside, it corrupts and hurts you, and it's bad for you. Let let, let me give you a definition of gossip. This one won't surprise you. Gossip is when you tell the wrong information to anyone. And by the way, if you don't know the whole story, you only know half the story, don't share that with anyone because there's two sides to every story. But here's a surprising definition of gossip. It goes like this. Gossip is also when you tell the right information to the wrong person. When, when, you get to, when you get ready to share information with someone, ask yourself this question. Is this person I'm talking to part of the problem or part of the solution to the problem? Because you see, gossiping is, is it's like sliming someone. Or, or it's kind of like this. <clears throat> remember when the baby was, was brand new? And remember the first time, Dad, that the baby, you know, slimed you threw up on you and what do dads do mom <laughs> you know we're we're holding it out like that that, that that's sliming if you will I, you know i wouldn't say vomiting but because that wouldn't be nice to say but it, it, you're slimed so you would think to a person who's slimy why would you slime me why would you betray my confidence 
Well, let me show you what gossip does. Three things. Here's what it does. Number one, gossip reveals the lack of integrity. If you can't hold a person's confidence, it's a sign you're lacking in integrity. But let me tell you how church people float gossip. How many of you are raised in church? Now you're afraid to raise your hand. Yeah. Here's how church people float gossip. You go up to a friend and you say, hey, listen, so-and-so came to me. You're not going to believe what, he, what he's going through. You, you're not going to. But listen, you can't tell anybody, but I'm telling you this so you can pray for him. <laughs> You've done that. And then this guy goes over to another guy and says, hey, listen, come here. So-and-so told me that so-and-so is going through so-and-so, and you can't tell anybody, but I'm telling you this to pray for him. 20 people are told and no one's prayed yet. I mean, that's seriously, that's the way it goes down in church sometimes. Gossip reveals something about our integrity. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A talebearer, a gossiper, reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Are you a person that can be trusted with personal information that if it was released would damage people? See, if you're a trustworthy person, you're going to have a lot of friends because trustworthy people are hard to find. But if you're trustworthy, I promise you'll have friends. Here's the second thing gossip does. It, destroy, it destroys friendships. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisper separates the best of friends. You know, it takes a long time to become old friends. But do you understand how precious your friendships are? Do you realize how strong it is to have a friend that you can trust? But the enemy sees this, and here's the way the enemy operates. He comes along, and he'll start giving you little bits of information and that, so that you may kind of, you want to start leaning away from that person. Well, I've known them. I, I grew up with them. I, I, they've been my neighbor for 10 years. I mean, you, you kind of lean away. And what's, what's going on is it starts to cause a little offense or maybe a little division, a little strife. You start to lose that unity. Did you know that a 15-minute a 15 conversation is worth every effort, even if it's uncomfortable, to save a friendship that took years and years to build? Well, if you didn't know that, maybe you did know that a 15-minute conversation may even save you money on your car insurance. <laughs> and you got to say what you got to say and do what you got to do. Gossip destroys friendship. Gossip ruins reputations. Friendships take a long time to build, and so do reputations. Yet how quickly do we believe bad things about people whom we thought so good of? Proverbs says in 18, 17, the first one to plead his call seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Let me give you a a common story, a common thread that I've seen as a pastor. So many times, and and honestly, this is the third time to to give this message and, and understand this, that after every service, I've had people say, that's going on, that's going on, that's going on. So this is a common thread. Let, let, let me just, and it could be two guys, let me, just, you know, let me just pick on some ladies. Let's just say there's two ladies, and they're friends and dear friends, and they say, hey, let's go to Starbucks, let's get some coffee. And they sit down, and one says, you know what, I, I need to talk to you about what's going on in my marriage. And then for about 15 minutes, she uncovers every weakness of her husband. And here's what happens. The other woman, listening, she goes home to her husband and says, you're not going to believe what's going on in so-and-so's house. Yeah, but they look so happy. They look so perfect. I see them in church. But do you know what he's doing? Do you know how he's treating her? Wow, I can't believe. He's in my men's small group this summer. I I, I didn't know that about him. I can't believe that. See, here's how that should go down. Let's say there's two ladies who are good friends. They go to Starbucks for coffee, and one says to the other, hey, I need to tell you something about my marriage. 
I have to share some things with you. And the other one says, wait, 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 wait. Before you tell me what you're going to tell me, if you tell me something about your husband, the next meeting we're going to have is you and me and our two spouses together. I mean, if you want help, we're going to help you. But listen, we don't have to go to Starbucks where everybody can see and hear what's going on. You can come to our house. We'll sit down at the table over a cup of coffee, and we'll help you, and we'll walk through that. But if you're just wanting to tell me something to think differently about your spouse, we don't need to have this conversation. We're so quick to believe bad news about other people. Why can't we just say, hey, wait, wait, until I hear the other side, I'm not going to choose to believe. I'm going to believe the best about the person. I'm not going to be so quick to allow that information into my soul. Now, you want a modern-day version of that conversation that I just shared with you? That's common story. Here's the modern-day version of it. It's called Facebook. Listen to me. You need to think this and you need to say this, that you do not need to allow people's gossip to contaminate your soul. You need to say, I don't want that in my soul. Well, well, how do I stop it? It's on Facebook. You defriend them. Because you understand, if you use Facebook to vent and to gossip, that's passive-aggressive behavior. It's bad. Don't, Don't vent on Facebook. It's not your private web you're living in. It's the World Wide Web. Stop it. I mean, before you send something, think about it. What am I going to say? Is this wholesome, unwholesome? Is it negative? Is it positive? Is it gossip? Will it ruin their reputation? So how do we stop gossiping? How do we stop sliming? How do we stop using the worst fruit that's out there? We choose the other fruit. We pick the good fruit. Well, what is the good fruit? Well, we're going to go to the extreme now. We're going to go all the way to the other side. And Isaiah tells us a little bit about it. He says in Isaiah 60, verse 18, he says, Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Gates are called praise in this scripture text. So every time we raise the standards for our mouths, People are built up by the power of life. So we talked about the negative fruit. What does gossip do? Let's talk about what does praise do. Because Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And listen, that's kind of been the theme of this whole series. But the last part of that verse, and those who love it, it being the power of the tongue, and eat its fruit. Now you get the pick. You're going, you choose. Your entire life, you choose which fruit you're going to use. And if, listen, here's a good indicator. If you're not satisfied with life, it may be because your mouth is not lining up with the Word of God. And if you've ever met someone that's satisfied with life and you think, man, they're so happy, they've got life, and they're just doing so good, it may be because their words have lined up with the Word of God and they are speaking those words with their tongue. So I want you to understand how this choice of praise affects us with God. I want to show you three ways. Here's the first one. Praise is the gate into his presence. The psalmist said in Psalms 100 and verse 4, enter to his gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. The psalmist said in Psalms 118, verse 19 and 20, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. And this is the gate of the Lord which the righteous shall enter. Here's what I'm saying. Our words open gates. We have an ear gate. We have an eye gate. We have a mouth. And the words that come out of our mouth gate 
they are going to open the right gate. So either words of praise and thanksgiving for God to walk through that gate are words of curses, are negative, are gossiping, are sliming so that the enemy can walk through that gate. In other words, if you want you know, the, the one who lived on this earth, who healed the sick, who raised the, the, the dead, who opened blinded eyes, who healed the lame, who walked on the water, who can do anything when he shows up. If I choose my words to agree with his word, he shows up. You get to choose. You, you choose. You pick the fruit. You get to pick. It's up to you. So either you have a gate open for God to produce life or you have a gate that's open for the enemy to produce destruction or defeat or discouragement or depression. Here's the second thing praise does. When my words agree with God, I get life, abundant life. I get life. When I agree with God, I get his life in my marriage, in my family, in my morals. I get it in my money. When we come into agreement with God, his presence does the miracle. So listen, Jesus said this. You you, you heard this in Matthew 18, 19. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. It's not the agreement that brings the miracle. It's God. But when two agree, God says, I'm coming. I'm I'm coming. And when he does come, what does he do? He does what he does naturally. To us, it's supernatural. But it's natural for him to be supernatural. So here's the ideal of picking the right fruit. The ideal is to get God to show up. And the way you get God to show up is you praise his name, you give him thanks, and you agree with his word, and you confess his word, you speak his word. He shows up, and then you get an agreement. Whatever's going on, he's getting in the middle of it, and he's going to make something happen. But that's our choice. It's your choice. He won't make you do it. It's your choice. So our mouths bring the presence of God, and the presence of God brings power. Listen to this. Let me show you how it works in the natural. Psalm 50, verse 23, the psalmist said, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders, notice the word orders, his conduct aright, I'll show the salvation of God. Whoever orders his conversation by praising me, I show up, I do great things for those people. Listen, you can't get an audience with God without praise and thanksgiving. You will never get an audience with God by sliming or gossiping or talking negative. You will never do that. And what he said there, and to him who orders his conduct, the word order means to count your words with love and honor and respect. Well, what does that mean? Let let me give you this story. You know this story. It's called the virtuous woman. And in Proverbs 31, 23, it says this, this virtuous woman talking about it, it says her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Her husband is now in the gate of the city. The gate of the city is a place of authority. The gate of, a, the, gate of the city is a place, there's a man of wisdom there. There's a man of character. There's a man of reputation. There's a, a successful businessman there. There's a successful, a successful father, a husband. This man has in a place of the city where people come to him for wisdom, for insight, for direction. And, and this chapter never tells us any more about the husband or the character of the husband But it does lead me to believe that because this woman and her character is so awesome that she made a wonderful husband become an elder. How? She ordered her words. When she would walk by the gate, she would say, one day you're going to sit there. 
One day you're going to be an incredible father. One day you're going to be an incredible businessman. One day you're going to be an incredible dad. You're going to become an elder. She ordered her words. And when they would walk by the gate, she said, one day you're going to sit there. One day you're going to be a great man. One day, one day. She was speaking life instead of sliming over her husband or speaking negative. And listen to me, ladies. Let me tell you something. Guys, guys are not perfect, but neither are you. But if you want your husband to step into the role of the gate of your house and the spiritual authority, he will never get there if you're going to slime and put down and cut down. If you don't start ordering your words with love and respect to them and honoring them and step them up and believe in them, they will not sit in the gate of your house. But when you start doing that, I'm telling you, you're going to get what you speak. And it works with your kids, too. Yeah, your kid gets a bad grade in math. And what do you say to the kid? Hey, you're smarter than that. I, I know, I'm going to help you. You can do better. I know you can. And, 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 and God knows you can. You're ordering your words. Guess what? God shows up. And, and guess what? God knows math. <laughs> he shows up. He gets on the scene. See, when children do wrong, choose the words to speak to them from good terms, good words, positive terms. Hey, you're a great son. You're great. You're incredible. You're a wonderful kid. You're this. I don't know why you strap your sister to the bed every night with duct tape, but we're working on that. You know, I don't know why you do the stupid things you do sometimes, but we're working on that. But you're a great kid. You're a wonderful kid. What are you doing? You are ordering your words and you're speaking them into your children. You're speaking them into your marriage. You're speaking them into your husband. Here's the third part. When I this is about praise. When I choose to speak life, ordering your words, I get a garment of praise. Isaiah also said in Isaiah 61, 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then watch what he says. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting, remember the fruit, the tongue, two kinds of fruit, the planting of the Lord that, may he be, that he may be glorified. So watch, here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to say. You choose a garment of praise or a spirit of heaviness. You choose. There is a spirit of heaviness on this generation like none other. More people are depressed today. More people are taking medication for depression today. There are more suicides today. There are more suicides among young people today. Why? Because there is a spirit of heaviness. Understand this, that a spirit of heaviness, the word heaviness, come, heaviness comes from the enemy. But what is, the picture of it is, it's depressing you pushing you down and satan will use words to push you down by somebody that's gossiping or somebody that's cutting you down or putting you down or he'll use words and of course there's then there's always those people who can just talk themselves into a good depression but you have to stop speaking death and begin to speak life why because according to the bible the one thing that takes care of the spirit of heaviness is the garment of praise I'm not denying that there's a spirit of heaviness. I'm not denying that there's a spirit of depression. I'm not denying that. But I'm saying the one thing that's going to take care of it and counter it is going to be this garment of praise. So let, let me give you an illustration of how it looks. Okay? Now, 
I, I want you to be honest and raise your hand. This is not a trick question. I just want to. How many of you were born at an early age? Good, good. And how many of you were born naked? Okay. All of you were born in early age, but if you didn't know, we, we got pictures if you were born naked. There's, somebody has them, okay? All right. But listen, when you were born, you couldn't dress yourself. So someone started dressing you, mom and dad. One day, mom and dad said, I'm not dressing you anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing it. You're old enough to dress yourself. So what do you have to do at that point? And some guy said, get married. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll seep in just a minute. Yeah, that's why you got married. <laughs> I'm like, dress you. Okay, never mind. No, no, no. You have to learn to dress yourself. Now, this is what I believe. I, most of the time, I don't give you a lot of what I believe, but this is something that I believe. I believe for a new believer, a new Christian, that God, in His mercy and grace, puts a garment of praise on them in the beginning. That's one of the reasons they're so joyful and excited. That's the reason, you know, they come up to a mature Christian that's kind of, you know, Debbie Downer kind of thing. And, and but they're so excited. Why? I, they, they're wearing this garment. But there comes a time where God says, oh, wait, 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 you're old enough to dress yourself. Well, what, what, how do we dress ourselves? We put on the armor of God. Are you thinking the helmet and the breastplate and the, and the belt of truth? No, I, he's talking about the garment of praise, which is part of the armor. So you choose, you pick if you're going to have a spirit of heaviness or a garment of praise, you choose if you're going to slime and be a slime ball or if you are going to order your words, you get to choose. And when the spirit of heaviness comes in, all you have to do, I'm serious, you just start talking to God and saying, God, I praise you. I thank you. I, I, I thank you for saving my life. I thank you for my health, my family. I thank you. I have eternity with you. I, I thank you for your... I mean, you just go on and on and on. You praise God. And, and listen, he, heaviness is going to move around. It, it's going to move. Why? Because when we speak life, we agree with God, and God comes on the scene. When he comes on the scene, he brings his life with him. And a, spi- watch, a spirit of heaviness, remember, it's a demon spirit trying to beat you up. When you open the gate of heaven with praise and God's presence starts coming and then you start praising God because you choose to do so, the door of heaven opens up, God's on the scene. What do you think that spirit of heaven, demon, what do you think that spirit of heaviness, that demon spirit, what do you think he's going to do when God shows up? He's going to exit. He's going to exit. Why? It's God that has the power. It's not my mouth It's what's in my mouth that agrees with God. God shows up, and God does what he does best. And the writer of Hebrews could not have said it any better in chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. If your mouth offers up praise and thanksgiving, it is a sacrifice. Why? Because most of the time we don't feel like praising God. That's why it's a sacrifice. But you have to do it anyway. You don't go by your feelings. You have to do it. It's kind of like, you remember when you were a kid and you didn't want to get a bath and mom said, you have to get a bath. I don't want to go to school. You have to go to school. Watch. Watch. 
Listen, if you only praise God when you feel like it, you will battle depression and discouragement if you do it when you feel like it. Praise when you don't feel like it. Give thanks when you don't feel like it because it changes your feelings. Praise opens the gate to his power. Now watch. I want to tell you this story, and I'm finished. Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, hey, guys, who do people say that I am? And they roll off this list. And then chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them specifically, but who do you, my disciples? Who do you say that I am? Of course, you know the story. Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Now now listen. Here's what Jesus just did. Stay with me. Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say you're you're Elijah, and you're you're John the Baptist. And and, and Peter said, no, you're you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You got it right, Peter. Peter, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that's what I'm going to build my church on. I'm going to build my church with people, living stones, who will, with their mouth, confess my name and everything that I say and all of my words on people who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouth, I'm going to build my church. And watch, it's the only thing hell cannot prevail against. Hell cannot prevail against me Believing in my heart, opening my mouth, and confessing Jesus as Lord, giving him thanks, giving him honor, the enemy, hell, cannot prevail against me because I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. My words are important. They open the gate to line up with God because now my, my mouth, I have the power of death and life, and they are in the tongue because I've lined up. So here's what I want to do. If you're watching me online, if you're at another campus, wherever you are, whatever room you're in, here's what I want you to do. I want you to respond to what God is saying. Well, what is God saying? Okay, I'm going to help you with that. For some of you, this may be something different you've never experienced. But Jesus said, my sheep know my voice they hear my voice that's what jesus said if you are a believer i'm asking you to respond to what god wants to say to you right now now you're you're probably not gonna hear a big audible voice You, you may not even hear a small still voice but you will have an impression in your spirit, man. You'll have an impression in your gut and in, 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 you, you'll know that this is what God is dealing with. It's happened in every service for people. God is making impressions, but you have to respond to it. So what, what are we responding to? Okay, with everything that I've given you, you get to choose the fruit. So here, here's what I want, to, I want you to see. Because I, I put you on the spot last weekend with that whole letter deal, and many of you did that. And the emails I've received are tremendous, amazing. One family is going through an, 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 a horrible situation, and it was a light to them, and God gave them grace to get through this horrible situation. So here's what I want you to do. Have you, told, have you told something to somebody you shouldn't have told them? Have you, have you slimed someone? 
then you, you need to make the phone call, do the text, do the email, and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have told you that because you, you, know, you really weren't part of the problem and solution. And in my own maturity, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have gossiped. Secondly, if you're on the other side of that, and you're the person who opened up and was vulnerable and, and vulnerable, and somebody slimed you, and you still have offense, then what I want you to do the same thing. I, because you see, you haven't dealt with it. If you haven't dealt with it, I want you to deal with it. Because and here's how you know. Because they're probably friends, probably relationships, probably family, and you're kind of leaned away from them. Oh, you put on the front, you got the show, you, got, you don't know how to do it, but you're not like you used to be. You're not close like you did, used to be because there's an offense there because you know you told them something and they betrayed it and they told it, but you've never confronted you never talked about it. I, I'm, I'm wanting you to do the same thing. And listen, if someone is being abusive, you need to lean away from them until they get help. I'm not talking about staying in abusive relationships. I'm talking about friendships that can be fixed if you only deal with, the, with, the, with it properly. And marriages, listen to me, couples. Marriages, here's what the enemy does. The enemy comes in with little pieces, little morsels of offense. In the fall, in the series I'm doing in the fall, in that series, one of the parts, I'm going to show you the steps to an affair. And, and, and listen, this is the beginning. It's little bits of offense, and they start off so small, and there's little aggravation toward each other, and you lean away from each other, but when you're in front of everybody, you're around everybody, nobody's going to know, and, and, but, 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 but nobody knows this is going on, but, but you don't talk about it, and you carry it in your heart. You walk around with them. You, you put on the good show, but inside, you're, you're nodding your head, but you're, you're saying no with your heart, and you lean away, and you start leaning away. When you start leaning away from that relationship, you're at the, your, your feet are at the beginning of the path of destruction. You say, Pastor, this, why, why, why is this so hard? Why is this so heavy? Listen, let me tell you why it's so heavy. It's because we don't know how to deal with it. Once you deal with it, in the simplicity that I gave you last weekend about unforgiveness, in the simplicity, the application I give you this weekend, I promise you, when you deal with it, it's done, it's over, because God shows up, and now you have a whole different perspective of how you're going to live your life. Why? Because you picked the right fruit. You can't get to where you want to be if you choose the wrong fruit. It will not work. It will never work. Why? Because God's not with you. If you choose the right fruit and you learn how to give him thanks and praise when you don't feel like it, when you don't even want to, he's going to show up. And all of these obstacles that are in your way that the enemy is trying to stop you with, you you, you can pull the plug out. And all that goes away. And now it's different. And you feel different. And you think different. God is saying, you choose the fruit. If you choose the right one, I will reburn what has been burnt. And I will demonstrate it by my power through your life and the words that come out of your mouth. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for loving us. And we pray now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would lead us to speak to us. Let us respond to what you're saying, that every person would have the courage to choose the right fruit, to follow your word, be obedient to your scriptures. Lord, may this next week, may we see restored friendships. May we see restored marriages. May we see offenses erased. May we see the power of life 
demonstrated in words that come out of our mouth because we have chosen the right fruit. We thank you for your power and your authority in Jesus' name. God bless you.